Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress I'm so possessive so I rock his rock necklaces My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama in my bag, swag. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah, I. Oh, oh yes, I like that. I did not come to play with you hoes. <laughs> I came to slay, bitch. I like cornbread and collard greens, bitch. Oh yes, you just believe it. Y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress I'm so possessive so I rock his rock necklaces My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama in my bag. Triple Dark Goddess feels like showing up to do a show. <laughs> it might be at 9 a.m. It might be at 8 p.m. You never know. Never know. That's why you got to watch the Facebook fan page. That's the Dark Divine Feminine on Facebook. All right? So get subscribed and stuff. Get liked. So that way you see us. You can also subscribe to our show right here on Blog Talk. That way, whenever I schedule a show, it lets you know. 
Um, but tonight's going to be a pretty chelastic kind of night. I'm going to play, like, another song or two, and um, then we're going to go ahead and get the show started. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to tonight's episode of the Angry D with Radio Show. Y'all know, late nights, I cannot do that hype-ass Angry Diva voice character shit. Can't do it. So we don't even try. <laughs> we don't even try it now. We just come in with a smooth voice. You are listening to the mystic stylings of the triple dark goddess, also known as Diva Fire, because every now and again a bitch burns hot and she will burn you. And like I said, we come to you live whenever the hell Triple Dark feels like doing a show. So tonight's show is what? Tonight's show is actually called The Angry Divas Radio Show, Growing Up a Black Girl, A Tale of Two Worlds, The Open Mic Show. And I'm going to share a little bit with you guys about my story and my journey, my own perspective. We've been talking quite a bit lately. Uh, this is, There's been a lot going on. If we're just going to be honest here, there's been a lot of discussion happening in these past three damn days. Now, I've had plenty of my say. Um, we started out the week with some broad wishing a heart attack on her sister. Why? Why does she wish a heart attack on her? Because she weighed maybe 30 pounds more than somebody thinks she might should weigh. My God. <laughs> that was hideous. And, you know, I went totally the hell off about it because the rate of black women being over, overweight or quote-unquote obese, I don't like to use that word, but whatever. You know what I'm trying to say, right? It is what it is. Some people are obese. This is true. Okay? So the rate of being overweight correlates and corresponds to of how many black women and girls have been sexually violated. So being the patron goddess of restoration of raped women, you know I'm going to go to fuck off. <laughs> you already knew, Diva is going to go to the left on that shit. Because, I mean, there's plenty for us to hate another woman over. You know, plenty. Plenty of shit that just righteous, it, righteous indignation. Let's just call it straight like it is. We have to use platitudes and do nice nasty, otherwise we just sound mean and bitter. So, righteous indignation being what it is, we've got plenty of reasons to be righteously indignant with some chicks on the planet. But one of those reasons I feel, this is just me, this is just me. Now, understand, this is the dark goddess speaking here. I am talking. So when I say I feel that it is not righteous to be indignant toward a black woman over a few pounds on the scale, that means something. Because uh, we already know I don't have a problem with judging a motherfucker. We already know. Don't care. Call me what you want to. We're going to go there. So that's how we started out the week. And, you know, that started with us talking about the way that we critique the things that black women do. And I had a sister try and conflate our comments in lambasting women, like women who willfully sacrifice their daughters to rapists so they can have a dick in their bed. A bitch like that needs to be hated. She doesn't just need to be hated. She needs to be fucking cursed. Period. That shit is right. That's righteous indignation. Okay? We can all agree. We can all agree that we should wish a heart attack on a bitch who would let her fucking boyfriend fuck her daughter. In fact, just this week we had a sister share an article like that. A black man, black woman's boyfriend, 
raped her three daughters, who were all the ages of 10 and lower, and gave them all STDs. Oh, you bet your ass I wish that bitch could be dead. Pause. How it all came to light is the little girls told their daddy. And that's who reported it. Mama never said shit. You mean tell me your baby girl's got an STD? And you know it. And you know the only way they can have it is your man because you got it too because you fucking him. And you didn't say nothing. No, we're going to wish death on that bitch. That's the fuck we are. You know, I am one of the only platforms on the planet that is willing to call the black woman the fuck out. And I'm not going to call you out while also sucking the black man's dick and blaming him. No, 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 no. You created him, bitch. I'm going to blame you. And I'm the only person brave enough to do that. And y'all know they have said all kind of shit about me. Say what you want, honey. You're the one whose life is in shambles, not mine. But I want to talk about how we get there. I want to talk about how this ugh, program of mediocrity has taken over the definition now of what it means to be a black woman. To expect less, to be a fucking fourth-class citizen when we are the first cause and the first principle. It should be like a stench in your nostril. It should. It should. But I want to talk about how we get there. Because I was talking about this on my Facebook, and you know, I just felt like, let's make it a little bigger. Let's make it a show. Let's bring some sisters in here. we got some sisters. I'm going to open up mics in just a minute. Mic check one, two, one, two. But uh, the conversation got started because, you know, I was kind of reminiscing on some shit, right? And we were talking about some different stuff on, on my Facebook. You're more than welcome to check it out if you're already a friend of mine. Let's, let's talk about that. Check me out, baby. Come up here. Okay. Anyhow, so, <laughs> so we were talking about moving your daughters into Blackistan and out of Blackistan. And I was saying, you know, I didn't grow up in Blackistan. So I thought I'd tell my story. I didn't. I'll talk about this a little bit. Um, people who are not familiar with the city of Boston may not really understand but um, since a lot of y'all have seen the new edition story, let me break it down to you in language you can understand. So, new edition is a part of one of the three stripes of Boston. The three stripes of Boston would be Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan. Why are those called the three stripes? Those are the, ble- the three black neighborhoods. <laughs> the three stripes of Boston, okay? Now, Roxbury used to be a huge, I almost said it like the president. How the president say it? Huge. A huge. <laughs> a huge township. <laughs> Triple got jokes. Triple got jokes. It was a huge township that spanned not just from, if you get up a map, Google it, baby. Look with me. It spans not just from what is now known as Roxbury, but all the way through all the towns between Roxbury and what they call West Roxbury now. And if you look at the map, you'll see between there is like Hyde Park, um, uh, what is it, Jamaica Plains, stuff like that. I grew up in Jamaica Plains, which is like a hop, skip, and a jump away from Roxbury. It's like maybe a two grids away from the grid that they call Roxbury, right? And by grid, I mean zip code. A lot of different zip codes in the city of Boston to make up the different townships. 
But the township that I grew up in was on the other side of the tracks, the good side, the non-three stripes of Boston side. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you how they did it. They always do it the same way, redlining and redistricting, okay? Ran a big-ass highway through the middle of it, changed the whole damn dynamic. But that alone meant the difference between me having what we all call black Astani experience. And for people who grew up in it, I know they're like, what the fuck does that mean? I see it a lot. And what the fuck is Blackistan? <laughs> I'm going to tell you the first time I heard the term Blackistan, I said, yes, that's exactly the fuck what it is. Yes. Sick, depraved, barely fucking developed bullshit. Yes. Like a third world shit. Damn right. Beggars and sick shit going on. So anywho, I've talked about this before on the show, and I remember when I was talking about it, there were some folks listening. They couldn't really get what I was saying because there was Blackistani. And I think the people who were raised Blackistani, it's not until you get out of it when you come out from among them that you can start to see some of what you've been made to live through, and you get language and a new lens to look at it through, and it's not just this is just my life. So my life consisted of children being able to play outside and be safe. We ran up and down the street sometimes, bam, with no broken glass everywhere. People pissing on the corners, no, they just don't care. That shit didn't happen, okay? Now, let me tell you, it wasn't perfect. wasn't perfect. You know, this was the 90s, the roaring 90s. Money was a-flowing. People smoked their weed. They drank their wine. They made their own micro-brews. In summer, we had yacht parties down the Cape and down Martha's Vineyard. In summer, all the rich folks would come and infiltrate into my neighborhood, and they'd all take their summers down Jamaica Pond because that's what they've always done since the setup of Boston. That's what it has been. And even though I was this little you and me, us never part, Maki Dada braid having little black girl. I love those braids, by the way, all those black babies. They're so pretty. But even though I was that little girl, among all of this privilege, and we didn't have that. We we weren't we weren't those people. Hold up, pause. This sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds fucking magnificent. But no, we were just among it. And I'm I'm gonna tell you, I gotta give my mother kudos. She worked the fucking ass off. She did. She said to us, "I will not have my daughters raised in the hood." I'm trying to cultivate a different kind of black girl than that. And I celebrated her. So we moved from JP to Rosendale. Look up Rosendale. Another one of the towns in between what used to be one of the three stripes of Boston and what is now. And it was a pretty decent neighborhood. It's just we moved to a three-family house. And on the first floor was this racist Irish lady, right? And let me tell you, Boston racist is unlike any other racist anywhere in the world. Okay? <laughs> Boston racist is something else, okay? You ain't never seen a racist until you've seen a Boston racist. I'm telling you right fucking now, right here. Sure as I am talking. <laughs> you ain't seen racism, racism yet until you've seen a Boston racist. Because they're just so cavalier and cool with it. You know? It's like gaslighting to the oomph degree. You know, like the best of the best. They're so fucking good at it. 
It almost makes you feel like you have something to prove, right? It's horrible. You really do have to be an haughty, arrogant bitch to survive this city. So don't get mad at me, boo. I was given this world. I didn't make it. Anyhow, back to my story. So we moved to Rosendale, and we had a racist-ass lady on the first floor. And I, low-key, I hated this bitch. I did. And I was a Christian, but I'm telling you, I was using Jesus like a hitman. Jesus, just, just fucking take her out. Just let her car crash. Just let a car go over the Colton Bridge. Just let a car blow the fuck up when she put the key in the ignition. And then I pray and beg God to forgive me for harboring such evil thoughts. But I hated this lady because she just made our life a living hell for no reason at all. You know? They got a dog and shit, a black lab, and they named that motherfucker Blackie. They trained their children to, like, chase us up the street with it. Blackie got hit by a car because I'm an evil bitch and always been a witch, but I didn't know. <laughs> Blackie got hit by a fucking car in front of the house, and, and all their children saw the shit happen. I remember standing there, standing there watching it, feeling like one of those little children in the corn. Like, that's what the fuck you get, named the dog Blackie. I'll show you, motherfucker. <laughs> anyway, shut up, ego. <laughs> so they got another dog. This one was a pit bull. I'm telling you, I used to have to go get my sisters from school. First of all, no child should have to do this, but whatever. I was a latchkey kid. I ain't going to knock it. To the bus. So I used to have to go get them from school, elementary school. I was in middle school at the time. And for some reason, the lady on the first floor, her, she had stepkids. She had one child, and she had married some baby daddy, white guy, um, and his, what, three, I think, children it was from his prior marriage. When I learned that they mama... <laughs> When I learned, I know a lot of little caveats, but these, this shit is important. When I learned that their mama left and said, fuck you and your sons, keep them, I filed that away in my mental Rolodex and said, I want to be that bitch. <laughs> fuck you and your dick seed. Take it with you. I'm gone. So anyway, their mama was peace the fuck out, so now they was being raised by this crazy racist bitch, right? And their father was a drunkard who just did whatever the fuck the crazy lady said, and it was a hot mess. So the crazy lady told them to take the pit bull for a walk behind me on my way to get my little sisters from school. Pause. I'm a mama bear over the things that I love. If I love you, I fiercely protect you, even from your stupid-ass motherfucking self. So when I got wind, see, I've always been me. This ain't new. I thought in a dream it was going to be following me with the dog. So you know what I did? I took one of my mama's tote bags, right? <laughs> she was real famous for bringing these tote bags back from these work retreats and shit. I don't know why. <laughs> my mother is like the bag lady, okay? She is totally the bag lady. I call her a pack rat all my life, and I'm getting lovingly. As lovingly as you can say, your mother's a pack rat. My mother's a pack rat. Anyway, so <laughs> I took one of her many tote bag, I grabbed two things. One was my father's good hammer. The second was my grandfather's good 14-inch chef knife. My grandfather was a chef by trade. He was excellent. Rest in peace. And when he passed on, he gave his knife to my mom and dad. Pause. If you know a chef, you know chefs have good knives, honey. Oh, my God. So I put my favorite knife from Granddaddy in my bag. 
I remember standing in the doorway and saying a prayer to my grandfather who had passed on, my grandmother who had passed on, and all the ancestors, not even knowing what an ancestor was, just knowing to call on those who had passed on, just intuitively. Okay? Like I said, we was raised Christian. I didn't know nothing about this shit. I just trusted what I felt, and I said, I need y'all to walk with me because these people are going to try me today. I got all the way down to the school. I looked behind me every now and again. They weren't there. They went a different way. As soon as I got up with my sisters and we start walking up the hill home, here come them boys. Now, the littlest one is scared shitless, okay? And I understand now that some of our reactions and fears, they're not unfounded. Like, I have an aversion to, like, water and shit, right, because I've drowned in a past life. I drowned myself. When the patriarch came and they was like, you going to fucking serve I said, I'd rather die. And jumped in the river and said, nope, we're going to fucking drown in death. Fuck it. <laughs> Careful now, because I know me and the water and our relationship contract that I made before until I can do something to fix that, right? Um, I have another person I know who has an aversion of crowds. I have another person I know who has an aversion to horses. They were trampled to death by horses in a past life. So my little sister had been attacked by dogs in a past life. She was terrified of it. And a lot of black people are terrified of dogs because even if it ain't a past life, it might have been your grandfather they stick some fucking dogs on. Or your great-grandfather. You know, ancestral trauma is passed down in the DNA. And if our families do not do the work to heal and clear that shit, you just get bred in with it and don't even know why you're having reactions and, and, and pauses to stuff. So something about that triggered something in me because, see, as long as the dog was on the leash, I wasn't going to fuck with him because I was looking at it like this. Although these children were being raised wrongly by this racist white bitch, they were children like we was children. Their parents was telling them to do certain shit like our parents were telling us to do certain shit, and nobody was thinking about the fact that the fuck kid, you know? So it wasn't until I saw... My little baby sister about to damn near climb up a rock wall. I stopped dead in my tracks. I said, y'all get behind me. I turned around and I faced all four of them white boys. I put the hammer in one hand and the knife in the other. I said, what the fuck do you want? The bitch is crazy. She's crazy. She's crazy. She's fucking crazy. And they went running. I don't know if it was just because I brought out Munir, the fucking hammer of Thor, and that night, or if it was the demand that they saw standing behind me, the legion of motherfuckers that come to protect me and mine, I don't know. But I know they ran and scattered like the full fucking wind with the dog. And we never had another problem out of those white boys again. Never. Even they mammy stopped acting up. Because I don't know karate, but I know karate. Yes, she do. <laughs> And it's a goddamn shame that we have to even boss up like that. But I had to boss up on white people, right? That was the one and only time I ever had to do some shit like that. And that was the one and only person I've ever had that kind of crazy-ass experience with in my whole entire life. And that bitch just was pissed off that there was black people living in her building. She just couldn't, and especially we lived over her. She couldn't stand that shit growing up. Okay. But it triggered something in me because I'm protective over those I love. Like I said, I protect you even from your stupid-ass self when I love you. And if I yelled at you, it's because I care about you. If I didn't give a fuck, I'm like, whatever, bitch, bye. 
So we move from Rosendale. Now wait, Clark. First of all, first of all, first of all, we survive. Little stupid fuck shit encounters like that. I told you about Blackie. I told you about the stupid ass Pitbull. They move away, and we have nothing but good times and peace for a good four years. And then something the fuck happened to my mama. And this is where we're going to open the lines because I know I'm not the only one. Something the fuck happened. She started talking like we were still in the shit. You know, like like the crazy white bitch was still living in the building with us. Like they had totally moved the fuck off away somewhere. They weren't even in the neighborhood. They weren't even in the same city anymore. And four years later, four years later, after I have to boss up and shit, after I have to step up, four fucking years later, after this is well done and over with, and we've had four years of peace, four years of her not living in the same building, same city, same whatever as us, my mother turns to me one crazy-ass day and says, I'm sick of these racist white people. I looked at her and I said, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Like, I was confused. What are you talking about? You know, and I'm expecting her to say some shit about on her job or some stupid motherfucker Becky on a train or something. Actually, back then, I think we were still saying, my name is not Susan. <laughs> Shout out to Whitney. My name is not Susan. Anyway. Um, so no, she said, no, I'm sick of this shit. What we had to go through here, something happened. Like I said, something the fuck happened that snapped her back four years prior, like it was happening right then in that moment. And she said, I'm sick of it. I'm not living among these racist white people. My kids got to go through blah, 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 blah. I'm moving around my own. I looked at her, I said, hell no, we're not. No, the hell we not. I deserve to be fucking put in her place, but I never did. I never put my hands on her, never raised my hand to her, never even so much as stopped her from hitting me. I was raised to be respectful as a child, and I did give her the respect she was due even when she was not deserving of it. So that was a slip, you know, a slip of the tongue like the hell we not moving the damn black and What the fuck you, all my life you have told us about the craziness of living among these crazy-ass people in Dorchester and Roxbury and Massachusetts, and you mean tell me four years after we done survived the crazy white lady, you want to move? among these crazy motherfuckers. But we all thought she was just joking, right? But nope, she did. And it had nothing to do with none of that. She wanted to be closer to the damn church, black women and they Jesus dick. So we all now talk. I'm not in middle school no more, baby. I'm in high school. We got titties and woman bodies, all of us, except for the youngest two. Actually, I think even the third one, there's four of us total, four girls. The third one was starting to get her little, you know, mosquito bite, some little mosquito bite nubs that we get when we get started. <laughs> she was just starting to get her little cheetah bite, her little new titty, all right? And the youngest one was still a baby, and I think she was in middle school or, or something, close enough to it. And mother moved us to, for my Boston heads, Four Corners. If you look up Four Corners Boston, you'll see all throughout the 80s it was the biggest drug-slinging prostitution, trafficking of little girls, murdering of motherfuckers area in Boston, okay? Whatever the fuck reason, what's wrong with her? Why did you move us here? These people are crazy. We can't even walk from the bus stop home, Ma, without grown-ass men coming at us. Why did you do this? What is wrong with you? I know, I know. We gonna move, we gonna move. But she moved us to somewhere worse, y'all. Motherfucking Blue Hill Avenue, Morton. 
Hoes Stroll and Pimps Roll. Blue Hill Ave is known in Boston as Hoes Stroll and Pimps Roll. And she moved her teenage black daughter a fucking block away. And I bitched about that too. I lost that. Why? What is wrong with you? Why are you doing that? We was even closer to the church. So nobody cares about this damn church. You're going to make us all hate church because I'd rather be safe than at church. You know, we couldn't do simple shit. And the fucked up thing is I lived around the corner from the police station. Should have been the safest motherfucking place. Pause. Round the corner from me and two doors down was what I was calling the Lucerne murderer. This fucker raped the 14-year-old. Because little children can't consent. He, uh, what is it, sexually raped a 14-year-old, hummed the baby into her, murdered her and the baby, and buried them in Franklin Park. And we living around the corner from this motherfucker. I lost my goddamn mind. Lost. We lost. Okay? When I first moved to Dorchester, we moved to Four Corners. Man, I was such a lost little naive, dumbass motherfucker. You know what I mean? I look like some of these... Motherfuckers from the Plain States when they move out to the East Coast to the big city. <laughs> yeah. The Jamaican Plains and Rosendale, we said hello to people in the morning. Good morning. How you doing? How's your kids? You know, we, we talk to our fucking neighbors. Like humans. You can't do that shit in Blackistan. I didn't know. It took for a girl who was born and raised in it to look at me. She said, you a goddamn idiot. You gonna fuck around and get abducted out here. You said, look at look it. That, 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 and that is all pimps. All of them like to snatch little girls. And what they do is get you hooked on drugs and they have you stripping and fucking agony. Stop smiling at these niggas. And I remember I said to her, girl, you can't say that. That's that shit the racist white people say about our people. It can't be that bad. She, mm, okay. Oh, you know so much. You've been in the fucking hood five minutes. Okay. The very next motherfucker you say good morning to is going to disrespect you and I'm going to have to boss up on him. I waved her off, right, because I fucking knew everything, arrogant, young, and dumb. <laughs> I waved her off. She wasn't even wrong. The very next corner we turned, some niggas said, hey, good morning. I said, hey, good morning. This motherfucker stuck to me, literally like he going to grab my pussy. Damn, your pussy fat. She had to boss up on him. I didn't know what to do. I had never had nobody to fucking talk to me like that before in my goddamn life. I just kind of clutched my proverbial pearls, literally, grabbed back at my damn collar, like, what the fuck is this happening here? He don't see I'm a child? She said, you a black female with titties. You don't get to be a child anymore. It was my rude awakening. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to say thanks to the ether, to the ancestors, and to my dark guides for sending that girl into my life. She saved my life. She did. Because she taught me how to walk, how to talk how to dress, how to stand, what to look out for to be a black girl. And she said, you don't even sound like a black girl. They're going to know that you're an easy mark because you ain't from around here and you don't know nothing about it. You're easy target. And you're a virgin and you're young, you're easy pussy. And these motherfuckers will take it if you don't give it. I had to have a crash course in how to be a black girl in black Boston. And I'm thankful for this girl who was born and raised in Dudley, Massachusetts, baby, down there across the street from where New Edition in there was born and raised, right across the street from Orchard Park. She grew up in the house across the street. 
right by the fire department. And I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful to God for her because I'm telling you it was the difference between life and death for me. It meant survival. Now I know how to cold switch. I didn't have that before, but it cost me something that I don't know if I'm going to ever be able to get back. It cost me my innocence, a positive outlook on life. And I had to learn that, had to relearn how to be positive about things. Because when you're in the ghetto, everything's so fucking negative. It's so fucking hard. You're surrounded by motherfuckers addicted to the struggle. These people, the struggle is like a crack pipe, like a crack rock for them. They don't know how to survive without it. They're addicted to that shit. The struggle is like crack for poor people. It is. It's fucking opiate. If we could just blame everything on the struggle. It is an addiction to be in the struggle, to stay in the struggle. You've got to be addicted to it. You've got to almost like that shit. You've got to normalize it. And how do we know? Because then when we talk like this, when I first ever tried to have this discussion, I wasn't as confident as I am now. Say what you want to now, bitch. Fuck you. This is my story. <laughs> so when I first tried this, we had black, grown-ass black women with children with daughters of their own talking about some... This bitch self-hating. Listen to how she sounds. She sounds goddamn crazy. No, she sounds like somebody who was not raised among feral beasts, who was dropped off as a budding maiden, a virile, fertile maiden among rabid dog beast niggas and broken women who don't remember what it is to be God. That's my story. I'm going to open the mics now. We got 60 seconds until we're in overtime. If that's your time with us for today, peace for your journey. If you don't call in right fucking now, you're going to be locked out and you won't hear the last hour of the show. So call in 347-826-9930. The number again, 347-826-9930. Call in right damn now or you'll be locked out and I'm a problem. Sorry, I talked too long. All right, 720-270. The mic is open. Welcome to the call. Who's this talking to me? 72270. Your mic's open. Who's this? How you doing, honey? I'm sorry. It's Wichita. I had my mouth full. <laughs> oh, girl, what you eating? Y'all always call my show eating stuff, making me hungry. <laughs> 10 seconds, everybody. Please, I got you. Hold on, all right? Go back to two. Crazy ass. Okay. <laughs> 202 826. Welcome to the Angel Radio Show. And we are officially in overtime. 202 826. Welcome to the show. What's your name, honey? 202-826. Oh, don't make a monkey out of me. Don't make me an asshole calling your number out. You ain't going to say nothing. Come on now. Unmute the line. Swallow what you're chewing on. 202-826. All right, we're going to mute you. We're never going to open your line again. How about that? <laughs> I'm putting you in the soundboard to never have your line open again. And call a 918-388. Welcome to the show. How are you tonight, baby? What you got for me tonight? What's your name? Hey, boo. It's your other diva here. Oh, my goodness. We always love when our fellow divas is in the house. How you doing, boo? I'm trying to deprogram my brain from work. Well, girl, you came to the right place because we're about to unpack it all. So just give me a second to open up another mic and find out who's who here, all right? All right, so we got our diva chaos reign. Diva 
KR. We're going to save you. I don't know why it doesn't save it forever, ever, forever, ever, but it don't. All right, call a 404-518. Welcome to the show, honey. What's your name and, and what you're calling for? What you call? Where are you calling from, first of all, and what you call in for? 404-518. Your mic is open. Welcome to the show, honey. Y'all know I hate oh, dead I'm, air, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry okay. I was muted by accident, but... Uh, this is Nisha calling in from Atlanta. Nisha! Hey, how you doing, Atlanta. Diva? I got bras in Atlanta. Something to something to pay. Legacy. Anyway. <laughs> Mumble music. <laughs> Mumble. I don't even know what he's saying besides bras in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, good. So I didn't mess up nothing. I just mumbled the rest of it. That's what he's doing, too. I ain't good. <laughs> Lisa, give me two seconds to open up the last mic, all right? This is the last mic I'm going to open up, then I'm going to open you back up, all right? Just give me two seconds. All right. All right. So uh, the last mic we're going to open up tonight, everybody else, oh, well. 214-906. Welcome to the show, honey. What's your name? Where are you calling from? And what made you call in? I'm Taylor. I'm calling from Texas. My name is Taylor. Hey, what up, girl? I, actually, I thought I had a little rhyme for it, but I don't. <laughs> oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's from Sesame Street. 1414, yeah. 1414. My name is Taylor. My name is Taylor. She likes 14. She likes 14. Okay, I'm going to stop. <laughs> How you doing tonight, honey? <laughs> oh, I'm doing well. I'm just like. Um, I have a week off from work, actually. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Vacation. Relax yourself. That's awesome. All right, so I'm going to yeah. leave your mic open, all right? I'm going to open back Nisha's mic. Um, we're still going to open up 202. All right, I won't be a bitch. I'm going to try you one more time. 202-826, your mic is open, darling. Welcome to the show. Who are you? Where are you calling from? And what made you call in tonight? Hey, you like how I did that, right? I'm giving you one last shot. All right. Well, they really are going on the do not open list. <laughs> do not call. <laughs> All right. So we got a show to get in here. Tifa, stop chewing. Your line is back open. Steve K. Off Rain, I'm open your line back up. Mute yourself because I know you running a little baby daycare over there. You, you know what I mean? You ain't a baby. A daycare in one little baby out here. So I wanted to ask a question to our panel here tonight. Um, and. Feel free to answer how you answer, all right? There's no real way to wrong, answer this wrong. I would like to know, because I'm still trying to fucking figure this out myself, what the fuck happened to black women that they get this idea that their children need the quote-unquote black experience to really be black people in the world? Pause. Let me quantify and qualify that. All right? I saw this article the other day. When I say the other day, that could be anywhere from three days ago to three weeks, okay? But I saw this article, (laughs) 
and it was, I think it was from the UK or some shit, but anyway, it was like a black British lady or whatever, and, you know, she had these really great Ivy League damn near bound children that were like just really, really well-rounded and intelligent, highly intelligent, gifted children, and she said some shit about moving her fucking kids to the hood because they need the black experience. Uh. And it got me to thinking about when we studied W.E.B. Uh, e. Dubois and we studied him talking about the talent of 10. And one thing that I remember arguing with my teacher, and the teacher was a white motherfucker, so you know, you can't really talk to these people. They don't understand shit. But I remember saying that the reason that his theory was always doomed to fucking fail is the talented tenth doesn't stand a chance if we don't come out from among them. Now, pause. At the time, I was thinking of it biblically. I don't remember what the fuck the scripture is now, but there's a scripture that says something about, uh, uh, I think it might be Romans, be ye not conformed to the ways of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are of this, in this world, but not of this world. Be with them, but not of them. And if you can't, come ye out from among them. So that to me meant being a separatist, being willing to understand one of these things is the fuck not like the other and doesn't belong. And since it doesn't belong, it should not be subjected to the conditions that it does not belong in, conditions that will not enable this being, this entity, this person, this child to thrive, not just survive. Now, on the one hand, from a very basic motherfucking evolutionary standpoint, I can get the idea of wanting your children to not just be talented, but to also be, uh, uh, what is the damn word? I don't want to say hardened. That's not really, that's what ends up happening. They end up being hardened. That's not the fucking word. Come on, brain. Seasoned is a word that could work. And what I mean by that is able to withstand like, I'm not going to crumble the fuck apart because someone said your hair is nappy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I am able to endure, but at the same time, we are encouraged to be able to endure it all. It all. Steve Jobs' widow was left, like, what, $200 million? Do you think she's going to move her babies? to motherfucking South Boston among the scum white trash of Saudi so that they have the real white experience? What is wrong? What up? I want to know. We got the floor open. I'm trying to fucking understand this because it wasn't just me. We had quite a few sisters on our page, and I think, Taylor, you might have been one of them, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, But we had quite a few sisters on my page who were saying that they also went through this where their mothers decided – um, she didn't raise them in black Blackistan, but she thought that they needed the quote-unquote black experience. So I would like to understand what the hell is it, um, because, yeah, it, it pisses me off. So clearly I need to ask the question so I can understand it, because when I get angry, it's because I don't understand. <laughs> Floor's open. Mm. That's favorite. Oh. I'm sorry. We always bump into each other. I was just going to say, that first thing you mentioned out of the article, um, like, I hear similar stuff with me homeschooling my kids, like, how will they be socialized? Like, they're not dogs, they're humans. They, You know what I mean? They have human contact every damn day. 
And um, I was not raised in Blackistan either, quite honestly. And my first introduction to Blackistan was a huge culture shock because as Mm -hmm. a child, some of the games that they were playing, that's just not how we got down out here. So in reference to that piece of the article you just read about she felt like she had to move them to have the black experience, that's just stupid. That's how she did that because that's just stupid. Wait. Not not ever, never. Tifa, Tifa, wait, wait, wait. Pause, Mm -hmm. Tifa, pause. Something you said just triggered Mm -hmm. this for me. Y'all know the Oracle is a random-ass frequency, so here comes the transmission coming (laughs) through the channel, okay? Okay. So I remember right before my mother fucking snapped, and moved us to Blackistan. She had a lot of black bitch friends who were saying shit to her like, your kids think they white. Your kids want to be white. Your kids up here talking about going to college. They ain't even worried about no husband. Bitch! Show you right! Your kids talking about starting their own businesses. They don't even care about having no kids. Bitch! Show you right! And right after that, mama fucking talking about some she need to be among her people or some old shit and snapped out. And moved us into Blackistan. And we hated it and we bitched and made our life a living, living fucking hell. Miserable. Living hell for two years just moved the fuck out of there. Yes, we did. If you don't understand why your children are getting on your nerves, I guarantee you that this is shit that they cannot get with. Mm. But you just triggered that for me. So now I would like for us to consider that that lady has some, sorry, she got talented 10th kids and she got some untalented motherfucking 90th motherfucking bitch friends sitting around her, jealous of her children, probably saying some shit to her like mom, because if it happened with me, if it happens with one, it's a thousand, okay? So likely she has some black bitch friends with some mediocre motherfucking ghetto rat children, sorry, I'm just going to call it like it is, and she was pissed off that this lady's children was off doing something great, so she told them they needed the black experience, and I asked said, oh, you know what, you're right, I don't want them to be so divorced from who they are. You know, I I listen to this and I keep thinking back to when I was a kid and constantly being told, you're you're too proper, you you need to hang out with black people, you need to do this. And funnily now, I have my own kids right now, of course, because I live in the middle of country, just literal just land everywhere. There's like 2% of black people here. The few black kids my kids do have access to are not fully black either. So it's it's kind of comical hearing people saying, your kids need to have the black experience. And it's like, when you think about what the black experience is supposed to be, it's broke, you're struggling, your man done left you, you got six kids, you don't know who they daddies, or if you know they daddies, they daddies is in jail. And it's like, this is what the black experience is. Y'all can have that. I don't want it. They don't need it. They ain't got to have it. I don't care. Like, it's I literally stupid. It's stupid. It's like if I tell my daughter, run your cookie business however you see fit, just make sure you keep it profitable and you make sure you follow the rules, people get all mad about it. If I tell my son, you want to play soccer, you want to play football, cool. Do you. Call me when your game is over. But this is for them. They're too. They're too free. They're they're allowed to be children, and that's what's bothering people from Blackistan. That my kids live yes. where they can go down the street and they can play, 
I ain't got to be looking out the window like a damn hawk. I ain't got to be tracking yeah. down. I do know when that sun go down, you better be in this house. Dinner time is at 6. You know how this works. I don't have to chase you. I ain't got to tell you. I don't have to tell my daughter, gee, you can't wear that. Let's not go overboard when you wear that. Or when she wears her makeup, you may, you letting her be grown, she's going to be fast. It's like, no, she's a girl. They do that. And it's like, why do I feel like I have to control everything she does? There's, there's no need behind it. There's just mm-hmm. none. I just don't understand what it is about because. black communities that if you if you start rising above, nah, nigga, you got to bring your ass back here. No, 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 I'm I'm gone and I'm not gonna come back. Ain't coming because back. black because blackistan hate freedom, girl. Blackistan hate fucking freedom. Some of the things that you're saying about your kids, I hear the same thing about my kids. Oh, your kids are so weird. Oh, your kids do this. Oh, your kids do that. Oh, you should do that with your kids. And as soon as I hear the word should in in a sentence as it regards in to, regards to my kids, I don't care if it's their dad, it's my mother, it's my grandmother, I immediately shut down. Because it always says to me that it's something in their freedom that can't be dealt with. And so I should curtail that and I'm not getting ready to and I'm not getting ready to I have not done the things that I've done and been through the things that I've been through trying to raise these free black children just to turn around and stupidly uproot them out of a perfectly good neighborhood to go live a good times life no no that's no (laughs) <laughs> and that's what I always see it with Blackistan. Like they all want us to live like we James in Florida, and we can't be happy unless there's a struggle. And me, no, nah, that's a that's a mess. That's it's a not mess. safe either. You know, I mean, my mama wasn't thinking about the fact that she was a black woman with a black man in the house with four black children, all by the same black daddy, moving into a motherfucking hood of bitches who was multiple-time baby mamas by all kind of stray motherfuckers. She didn't think about that. She didn't think about what the fuck that was going to do to our family. She didn't think about what that was going to do to our self-esteem as black girls growing up. But now we're nothing more than tits and ass and pray because we're in a, a community full of black men and boys. Let's not escape the fact that the boys are also predators because even in elementary school and kindergarten, they're sick motherfucking assholes, you yeah. know? fucking depraved. They just come out the womb fucked up. They come out the womb fucked up. And mm-hmm. and we're not allowed to say that. We're not allowed to tell the stories. Our stories. I remember this shit. I remember being in kindergarten. And in kindergarten one, you might not have had K-1 where you came from, but we had K-1 where I came from. And in K-1, because we was all new babies, and they expect most children to not know stuff. Like, my mother made sure we knew how to read, write, and arithmetic a little bit before we went to school. So I had to write my own name, I knew my numbers and then my colors. You know, I could read certain words and shit. But the bathrooms was painted, the whole entire door and the fucking frame. The girls' bathroom was painted a brilliant-ass fuchsia pink, and the boys' bathroom was painted some kind of cerulean damn near blue. I was in the bathroom, had to tinkle. Ready to do my tinkle, and a boy came in. I said, oh, no, it's the girls' bathroom. And he closed the door and just stood there and looked at me. I said, it's the girls' bathroom. It's the girls' bathroom. You got to go. You got to get out of here. I'm using it. And he said, 
to me. We're in kindergarten one. I'll show you my PP if you show me yours and starts to pull his little baby penis out of his pants. We're in kindergarten mm. one. Kindergarten fucking one, okay? Why advocate sexual segregation? Because there is no safe age where male children are not fucking sexual predators and sick and fucked up. I don't know why he was fucked up. Maybe somebody tells him already. I don't give a shit. All I know is, as a little girl, I should not have had to endure that. And the only way to prevent it is to make sure the girls are not having to be in places with boys because there's not one age where we are safe from them. I shared something today, and I did some work on it. I lit a black candle on this nigga here, this sick motherfucker. Going to write a status on Facebook talking about when you change your one-year-old daughter's pamper and her pussy's wet. I'm about to catch that case. Thank you. This motherfucker is going to be found. Yes, you are about to catch a case, you sick bitch. You sick son of a bitch. And I hope your fucking mother's arrested too, bitch, for bursting your sick ass and unleashing you on this motherfucking planet with the rest of us. Yeah, you're going to be uh, fucking Deepa. catching the case, you son of a bitch. you goddamn right you catching the case. Watch. Mark my words. They're going to find this nigga. Go ahead, baby. Uh, Diva, yeah, this is uh, Nisha. It's so funny because um, what you was, what, uh, somebody, a, a black female, also said on that same exact post was something in reference to her son's little penis looking like a little gummy, and she just wanted to taste it. And um, somebody put that on the post I had shared. Now, that's why wow. black girls, they don't have, because first of all, you got mammy women, like women like that, well, first of all, that's a perverted woman. But um, many women who allow their sons to terrorize the fucking neighborhoods. So you have black girls being raised in an environment where they always got to be on guard. And mind you, I'm coming from a place where I was raised uh, in my elementary school years in a predominantly white community. And then as I got older, we was, uh, went more so into Blackistan, deep into the heart of Blackistan. More, I will even just say it was the, the damn slums. But you can definitely tell, even though I've had some, to face some things when it came to, you know, borderline racist stuff within, within the white schools, what I did not have to do was worry about fighting all the time like I did growing up in a black neighborhood. Couldn't even make it off the bus. Somebody want to fight you for some dumb reason. Because you know, you don't know what? what? That's true. That's yeah. true. I'm, I'm thinking back on my childhood, and that one bitch was the one motherfucking racist that I, the one, the one. The one yep. fucking experience that I could say from my time living in quote unquote white stand, I guess you could say, right, white communities, where yeah. it's supposed to be a whole lot of racism. But every fucking day, even just even just getting on a bus, even just being on a school bus, we was always having to beat these niggas off of us. And if it wasn't beating them off me personally, it was beating them off one of my fucking female friends. It was, it was, it was relenting. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Nisha. I'm just sitting a, here. Yeah. I'm just sitting here fight. nodding my head. I'm just sitting here nodding my head through the whole thing. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's here. Just, it's just You're a absolutely right. We, I mean, black people as a whole, I believe, is, is really stuck in a state of poverty consciousness. And with poverty consciousness, you have the whole uh, the crime as well. That's why these these neighborhoods are crime-filled, because these are, these are people <gasps> oh my who God. are... Oh, my God, Nisha, now you did it. Okay, transmission coming through the channel, y'all. Y'all know the Oracle frequency <laughs> is random and triggered at will. All right, Nisha. Nisha, you did it this time. It wasn't people, it was you. So, whew, thank you. Every day, 
I would get up after we moved to Blackistan especially, and now remind you, I was a Christian, right? I would pray the whole armor of God every fucking day. I would not let my foot hit the gate without praying. I would get right there, get ready to fucking step over the threshold from my house to the gate to the fucking sidewalk, and I'd go, oh, wait a minute. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. I need my shield of faith, and I need my sword of spirit. Shod my feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace, so wherever I walk, I walk in peace. And wherever I go, I'm ready to stab a motherfucker to have it. And I go on my day, right? But I approach every day like it was warfare. Mm-hmm. And I still do. Now, on the one hand, I'm glad for it because now I approach the day as a strategist. But on the other hand, do you think Rebecca's getting up every day thinking about how she got to go to war with a motherfucker? Nope. Why the fuck is that okay for our daughters? But then we turn around and talk about queens and kings. You know, it just doesn't add up. But, yes, we all learn that every day we're at war. We're at war in our homes against our mothers in sanity and craziness and instability and mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And her violent, verbal, emotional, spiritual, and physical abuse. We had war on the school bus with the fuck niggas and the bitches. We have war in the classroom against the fucking teacher who hates you because nothing breaks you. We had war. I had war with them fools at work. <laughs> yeah. Military okay. in my damn uniform. We go to oh, war I, I, on I the job once we grow yeah. the fuck up. We go to war yep. at the Girl Scout meeting, because I was a Girl Scout, graduated high school a Girl Scout. You know, we go to war every fucking where we go, just being black and female. So all I wanted to learn, and this is what I wanted to take away from this, because we are, we're at war every fucking day. First of all, we hail from a race, a bloodline, a history of being the fallen. This entire system predicated upon the black woman's ignorance and cursedness because the mother is the one who creates the future. So if we curse the mother, she will curse her children and we won't have to do shit but sit back and reap the benefits of her breeding the permanent underclass prison labor for our coffers. This is where we are. And every day we get up, whether we know it and act accordingly or not, because your ignorance is a fucking curse. It doesn't protect you. To say I do not know is to say I am cursed and okay with it. Understand that. Now, that's going to change the way you approach your whole entire fucking life, if you're smart. And if not, you'll just be like, even I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Get the fuck out, bitch. Pearls to swine. Pearls to swine. But anyway, I digress. When you know that you are at war every day and at war with powers that have the ability to rewrite your future, to change your fucking history, and also damn your future. Not just your future, you individually, but your generations to come. Understand these people are planning the next few generations, the next 500 generations. They're 40 years down the line, somewhere 100 years down the line, and we're thinking about just got paid Friday night. Mm-hmm. That has to change. And that is something I understood as a teenager when I moved into Blackistan. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I was saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, and five baptized, and 
abused all my life, and I was running for my life, too. I'm glad I had it, because I'm telling you, when we moved into that, I looked around, and I said, the spirit of disease, the spirit of drunkenness, the spirit of laziness, the spirit of lackadaisicalness, the spirit of depression, I know these things are energies, and energy is contagious, so I prayed up, I prayed up, I stayed praying up my family. (laughs) But it cost me a lot to do that. But I learned a lot, too. And what I was doing wasn't shit, but it was better than nothing. To at least say a prayer. It did a lot. Prayer did a lot to cover us. We went through a lot, but we were spared a lot, too, because somebody prayed for us and had us on their mind all the time, me, late in the midnight hour. And I'm thankful for that because it's trained me to be a spiritual warrior for myself. And now every day I just strive to be a better warrior, more strategic in how I choose to do what I do, Mm -hmm. understanding that there's a part of me that has been trained to self-sabotage because you must co-create with the oppressor for you to be oppressed. Don't you get mad at me, bitch. It's true. You must co-create with your oppressor in order for you to fucking be oppressed because they need access to your power. That means you somewhere, somehow, some way gave it up. You surrendered it. Whether by hook, by crook, by beating, whatever, you gave it up. And it was yours to hold, to have and to hold. To have and to hold in trust. So it grows and increases you and your bloodline, not somebody the fuck else. If we understood as black women what we have lost, If we really knew the value of where we've been dropped to from where we fucking were, we would burn this fucking world, not just the country, no, the world would burn to the ground. Mothers would murder their children. Women would murder their husbands. If we fucking understood what actually has happened to us, Alas, a cursed thing cannot look out for her best interest. First, we got to get you cleaned up. First, we got to get you uncursed. A clean thing cannot touch an unclean thing and remain clean. And an unclean thing cannot touch a clean thing and get clean. That's not how it works. We got to get you clean first. You can't just get clean by being in proximity to cleanliness. You have to get cleaned up. And to be unclean means simply to be ignorant because it is a curse on you, and it drops you down lower than your worth, and it fucks with your mind, and everything you get ready to do, you got the cursed thought of what if that cancels out the potential and the possibility before you even get to put pen to paper to make it real. We ask what if for all the beautiful things and never for the shit that could actually fuck us up. We want Head first, face first into that brick wall. But we will what if goodly things to death. We're talking about this in our pussy language class. Last week was our introductory class. And this week is actually week one of the two classes. I'm excited about it. Because, listen, you know, like I said, I've seen a lot of discussion. There's been a lot of discussions out about what it is to be a black woman and, 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 and womb control and pussy control and valuing our health and our wealth and our bodies and what that thing means. And it's subjective. It's going to mean something different to everybody. Somebody might think that they're wealthy just because they're alive. And, yeah, baby, you're right. 
And to somebody else, that means something else. You have to be the person who defines it for you, but make sure that you're not defining it based on cursedness, based on ignorance and uncleanness. Come into gnosis. Know this gnosis. We have to be willing to ask the questions to go on the journey. I tell my students this all the time, and that one-word question is actually three words. Yes, it is. Quest, I, on. Let your questions lead you somewhere. They should be guiding you on your journey for your growth, for your edification, for your self-mastery. Let the first question you always ask, no matter what it is, be, what's in it for me? Everybody else is looking out for that black woman but you. It is time for us to return to Yoni language. If you have not yet joined us, all right, I'm open the floor. Yeah, you can join us. You can make sure you sign up for Yoni language. We're going to get started this Friday. We're starting class one. We'll be talking about sex magic and sexual privilege. It's powerful. I'm also gifting everyone who signed up for Yoni Language for Feminine Sexual Privilege this month's chant circle. This month's chant circle is very powerful. We're focusing on the womb. I'm telling you, in Yoni Language 4, I'm going to be explaining this even more. But your root chakra chi, your ovarian chi, your womb chi is dense. It's denser than a tough biscuit. It's denser than some Jamaican spice bun. Okay? It's denser than a fruitcake. It takes a lot of work to move that damn root suffer. Chee, baby. A lot more than a fake-ass orgasm. Mm, I ain't going to knock you. I'm just saying. It takes a lot. And we are not taught how to breathe life into that space. We're taught how to just lay it open, lay the pussy open, unprotected as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to whoever the fuck calls himself God. That's going to change with the only language. I want to say thank you to everybody who has come into the cipher tonight, everybody who shared what they shared. Y'all always make the show better. I love y'all. Thank you so much. Y'all always do. Come through and make this shit rock. <laughs> Got to give a special <laughs> shout out to the bitch house. The bitch house is always around and lurking. You never know who the fuck we are, but we're always here. And, yes, of course, honey, yes, 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 don't get it twisted. This has been another bitch house production, the Angry Divas radio show. I really do got to say thank you to my bitch house sisterhood, my elite sisterhood, Y'all have been making this radio show possible since the fucking beginning. I don't beg, I don't ask people for shit because my sister takes care of me and my man do too. And I look out for my sister. And I'm glad for it. Over here, we cultivate the gods. This is food for the gods. This medicine, this bitters, these bitters, it's the bitters that bring the bees. I say that all the time. The first flowers that pop up, dandelions, bitterest flowers ever. And those are the ones the bees go for. It's the bitters that bring the bees. It's the bitter that brings the sweet. It's the bitter that brings you back to life. So let's go ahead on and chomp on some of this medicine. Yoni Language 4. I'll see you guys this Friday. If you haven't signed up, make sure you go on my website. That's www.thedarkdivinefeminine.com. You can also do angrydivas.com. That's always going to be mine. I ain't never letting it go. Um, <laughs> I'm going to find something else to do with that motherfucker, too, in a while. Um, but it does link to the Dark Divine Feminine page, the Dark Divine Feminine everything. And I wanted to say thank you to everyone who's listened, for everybody who's listening to the archive, because I do see y'all checking out the show in the archive, baby. 
Thank you. Much love and appreciation. Everybody have a great evening. We're going to play this Beyonce and get the hell up out of here. <laughs> Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.